Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Blockware Intelligence Podcast. This week, we have a very special guest, CL, who's a derivatives trader and expert in the space. CL, thanks so much for coming on, man. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. Very, very good today. Just had my breakfast. Nice, nice. Let's first start with, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, who are you? Uh, when did you get into the space and what do you do? Um, I just trade and I got in 2018, like end of 2018, I think I bought Bitcoin and it nuked like from 6K to like 3K immediately after I bought. So, and then, uh, yeah, and, and then since 2019, I just traded and found, found that extremely fun. I just had, for some reason, I just had like a very, like, I, I just felt like I needed to know why price move at all. And like, since then it's been, a I just been trying to figure out why this market moves one way or another, like, and yeah. And now here we are. Do you have like a, like, do you have like a long-term Bitcoin thesis or did you just come into this saying like, Oh, this is like a degenerate market. Like this is like really interesting and will like, you know, you know, keep me interested all the time with all the volatility in the market or like, do you have some kind of like longer term crypto slash Bitcoin thesis? No, actually. Yeah. It, it, I do. And I, I've actually flipped a few times. So when I first got in, I was like, dude, I'm so poor. I need to make money. And then um, and then I found out what like Bitcoin is. And then if I found out what Ethereum is, I'm like, wait, these two things are really cool. Like, damn, like like the, the idea of like just like, yeah, just like, uh, like most people can describe like the, the big picture thesis of Bitcoin and like maybe Ethereum, but way better than me. Right. Like all these. uh articles people already put up but just like the idea of like your 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 own money that like like it's it's just immutable and no one can change it and like it's just yours is is very powerful in my opinion so i i do have a, like a long-term thesis but that doesn't necessarily and is that it's not involved with my trading like if i if i don't feel good i, I will sell like i i it's I'm, I'm like not as attached if that makes sense yeah no that makes total sense and um kind of like going off of that pretty early on um you were involved in a fund so i'm curious like hey what was that like and what is the difference between like working at a fund versus managing your own personal capital like do you prefer managing your own personal capital and like i guess what are the key differences between the two experiences Sure. I would just also give a tiny bit of history. It's like half a minute. Um, so yeah, in 2019, after I traded myself for about a year, uh, in 2019, I joined a fund and I was immediately given, uh, not immediately, but like shortly after I was given an account where I can trade on. And that actually was pro- maybe one of the key reasons why I'm profitable today um, is because I finally realized from the perspective of like someone who has a larger sum of money. Cause like, obviously when I was just trading by myself, I didn't make that much. And I, it's not like I had much to begin with. I just like had like a few grand and, but trading was uh, on an account and back in the bear market that had like seven figures was like very eye opening. I like finally started to see like, wow, I need to be selling into strengths to like, cause this is like, where there is actual buyers. And if I don't sell it now, I sell it later when the market is like, the move is over. Like there's going to be, the bids are going to be way less thick. Like I'll actually move the market down way more slippage. And like all just all these factors, like it was very different from trading my own way smaller account. So I was like, wow, this is like, and and that that just, the per, like that perspective just made me realize like, wow, like most moves happen actually because big bigger traders are, trapped in position rather than a group of small traders and these groups of bigger traders being trapped in position i think is what moves most the market but by the most amount so back then like seven figs would like significantly move the market oh yeah definitely (laughs) like if someone market buys on bitmax like six million dollars it would be forwarded to every telegram like trading chat i mean like immediately be it someone be like holy holy crap like this one minute candle is nuts like he just bought seven mil. It's like barding up. It was like <laughs> the market used to be thin. Yeah. So like, I guess what would be some of the like biggest takeaways that you learned aside from just like 
realizing, you know, sizing and, and how that kind of like affects the market would, was there anything else that kind of taught you like just how to read derivatives data? Like, was it just through experience or was it like, you know, just talking with other people or like, how did you like gain all this knowledge? Because, you know, you're, you're one of the, like the, the main people that always gets referenced whenever I'm talking about, you know, derivatives data in general. So was it just like messing up and, you know, losing money through the fund that taught you that, or like kind of walk us through that process? Like, how did you gain all this knowledge about derivatives? Yeah, definitely all of what you said helps. Like, losing money and then like as like kind of just like paying tuition to the market as part part of learning understanding why you were wrong like like you could be like say bullish and then say the market was wrong but like the market get can get more wrong than you expect and stuff like that just like um yeah like you always need to keep in mind and and just like yeah talking to a lot of people helped me definitely a lot because then but over time i think i what I did the most was still by myself. I remember entire 2019 and also 2020, pretty much most of it was just staring at every single trade that ever happened on like the big, the major derivatives. So like back in 2019, was probably, yeah, it was mostly BitMEX, but in 2020, I, I had to monitor Binance too, because it, it just got too big. And just watching like every trade happen, like figure out what um what kind of positioning they're taking. So say for example, oh today a lot of people open positions. Okay, let, let me go see the exact moment they open positions, see how that impacted um the the like f- the futures uh like see how like these traders pushed the price of that product away like further from other products to like get an idea of their whether longing or shorting and like if all of them were long then that exact that specific futures contract would be trading higher than like almost every other venue and then uh, like you would know like well okay you know these traders will have to close every long ever will have to close every sure ever have to close so it's almost like oh if that what i said just happened that's like almost guaranteed future selling pressure and um just like stuff like that, I would just keep monitoring and monitoring and like I would keep every trader in mind what what their liquidation might be, what their invalidation might be, what what their why why did they try to like make a breakout trade here? Like like are they drawing lines or is are they also seeing other but like are they seeing spot buying and going with the flow? Like I try, I try to like feel why every trader is there and like think why where they might get invalidated and like like there would be like levels where like a lot of people would like choose to be invalidated and i I try to abuse these levels a lot be like i'll just like um yeah like uh take profit into like way above like say where their invalidations are usually these are like very high volume and like market goes to extreme sometimes yeah and like kind of on a similar note, uh, what do you look at like when you wake up in the morning and you just want to get like a quick like market edit, like, you know, market overview in like, you know, 10, 15 minutes just to catch up about like where the market is overnight. Um, is it mostly derivatives? Obviously, you know, you're checking price in the morning, but like what are some of these things that you do you have like a checklist or is it like a dashboard that you have for yourself or like how does that process work for you? Right. So I, I wake up, like say today I woke up or I woke up and I saw ETH moved a lot. So I try to figure out why, why, why that happened. And it, it did seems like FTX spot had a bit more average than volume. So I was like, okay, that may have contributed. And then some open interest been moving down on FTX. Um, let me see also. Oh yeah. So some Binance uh, longs entered, not that much. So, so I just kind of like be like, okay, so that's what happened. And um and, and then I would I would just like see how much volume is being traded to get an idea of like how like just h- how much um what do you call it like yeah just how much how much of existing participants mostly traders are swapping hands because like that's important to me because like I need to know like if traders swap swap their contracts against other traders because then it means like okay, okay say ETH was higher today and a lot of volume was traded then i would know okay maybe longs at 2500 today or 2400 that opened probably sold to another person that long at 2600 so now i have to rebuild my under my profile of the current trader 
traders that I have positioned. So it's like, okay, now I need to shift some of the profile in my mind to that some traders are now long at 2,600 and may also be short. And, and then I'm like, okay, if traders are now long at 2,600, where their, their invalidations might be, where like just... Where, 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 where like if there if it keeps going higher where, where shorts might start folding even more like just just have an idea of like like i i I'm, yeah i'm constantly building a profile like just in my mind of like where, where, where like what how the market is positioned basically makes sense i want to dive into like a little bit of like kind of a derives one-on-one um you know as as concise as I guess you can make it and then we'll move on to maybe a bit more interesting stuff for people who are maybe a bit more sophisticated but um, let's first start with like what is a futures contract like what is you know the purpose of a futures contract and then what are the different type of products that are offered in the Bitcoin market um, whether that be you know actual like three months futures contracts versus like a perpetual swap right so futures is just like two traders or it could be a market maker like um agreeing to just like uh just kind of like settle where, where they sell and buy and it's like usually people do it for like like actual things and like maybe it, it wasn't as degenerate in the past like um farmers actually sell how much rice they would have three months later now because they think it's a good price to lock in their their profit and um, in case price of rice drops for some reason. And like, but now it's like in crypto, it's a bit more weird because it's like you can just buy, sell, spa, but we're trading this perpetual thing. <laughs> That's like basically it's the same thing, except you can get leverage on. So maybe the only benefit is like you don't need all your coins or like all your like USDC in like on the exchange to like have the same buy, buying power. Like you can say have one-fifth of your net worth but use x5 leverage and that then it's like okay you have the buying power of your net worth but like because of leverage you you, you can like uh basically as if you have your whole portfolio on there or something but um usually futures are like the ex the types that expire so like say some rice farmer is like oh i'm gonna sell my rice at ten dollar a kilo at for for June, then and by the time June comes, their crops actually harvest, and they 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 like they already locked in the price which they sold their rice at, so they're happy about it. But in crypto, is like um, it, it it is the same thing. It's like maybe miners use it. Maybe that's would be like the most common analogy is like miners selling their future rewards. And usually these futures would also be trading higher than spot price because like because of like power of leverage, like they're just pushing it up. Um, but but yeah, mo mo I think mostly these in crypto, these are just instruments for speculation. Yeah. And and I I guess like on top of that, we, we started talking about perps a little bit. What is funding and how is that, you know, how is that mechanism? baked into some of the pricing between uh, the perp contracts and as well as like, what's the dynamic tying, you know, perps to the, the weighted spot index there. Yeah. Um, so the perp kind of is just like a non-expiring feature. And it, I don't think these were super common like outside crypto. And um, they basically like, depending on the product, like you gotta like read the product's specifications, like, or I mean the contract specification on like what you're trading. So like on Binance would be like every eight hours on FTX would be every one hour where the everyone had to have a position on would pay a fee or receive a, a, a rebate based on if the contract was trading above or below the index. And um, that's mostly just an incentive to keep the price same as the index. But really, I think because of also that mechanism also like helps like arbitrage have faith in in like that product being in track like like have faith that it will track the price so they so it also like i feel like a lot of times traders would strongly push a product very high and like because they know they would get like because they know like the funding thing exists that like these so like people have incentive to like sell that product to like keep in line with the index when you're looking at funding 
um, let's say, for example, like funding is is negative. How do you say that perhaps spot is leading the perps rather than perps are fading spot? Is there anything that you can look at to kind of get that uh, the, to distinguish the two? Because I feel like sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll get on Twitter, at least you'll you'll get people saying and I, I'm guilty of doing this in the past of saying, you know, OK, well, perps are, you know, fading the rally. And it, that may not be the case. Right. It may not be that like shorts are piling in. It may just be that spot is leading aggressively, which is driving up the average you know, weighted spot index price. So is there anything that you can look at to kind of distinguish between perhaps when spot is leading or when perps are fading? Yeah, there's actually very many scenarios where why funding can be negative. So say on a way down, like you could have longs that have opened month ago and there could be a lot of them, right? They, and they, because say price went down, they are afraid of liquidation and they have to close. So they may be like selling or like, or even shorting just cause like to hedge another long that like maybe they longed another coin. They're like, oh, let me hedge ETH cause like they're correlated. Like, I don't know what, like traders do all kinds of like stuff, but they, they, they need to like, either sell one or another thing to like hedge their existing or like just like close out their existing underwater position, say for example. And usually on a downtrend, like bids are just thinner. So like naturally they, as they sell, they just like push derivatives just ever so slightly lower than the spot price. And so that's like one way um, it could be like pushing funding negative. And that's not necessarily like, yeah, it's bullish that there's less longs now. So the, in the future, there's going to be less longs to dump on us, right? Like, yeah, that's that's a good thing. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, traders are now going to open longs that push the market back up or does not necessarily mean the spot buyer will suddenly appear and push us up. So, yeah, that's like... And another situation would be, like, say, spot is actually mildly selling at the moment or, like, or just like, buy, or yeah, spot could be selling and perps can be shorting at the same time. And funding would be, yeah, mildly negative. But since both of the flow are so like, like sell heavy, it just goes down more. And like, as spot sells, they also pays out the shorters. And yeah, just like, there could be very many scenarios. Makes sense. Uh, and then as far as open interest, can we just get a quick, you know, open interest 101? How do you use that in your own like kind of personal trading? Yeah, so usually I so open interest is just like how many contracts are open on that exact product you're looking at, and I actually don't strongly suggest uh, this is for traders I guess don't strongly suggest them to look at aggregator ones and only look at the products the the open interest of products that actually move the market by a or like lead the moves because then you know like that's where the positions are actually dominating the moves in the market because like. I feel like that's just way more better for to get a sense of like where the aggression and stuff is. And for, yeah. For, and I also like look at it to get a sense of how volatile things might get. So if on products that are like very degenerate, say like the Binance futures and it gets very, very, very high, I would start being worried about being in like any form of like, unless it was like the funding is ultra biased in one or another way then i would be like pretty cautious and taking positions because then i would know there would be a lot of liquidations if we both move anyway so maybe i could like uh open like i don't really trade options but like yeah maybe you can like uh open some sort of like vol strategy but generally i yeah it's like higher open interest usually like is a hint of like a bigger, bigger move coming. And usually big, massive moves in crypto usually leads to like open interest getting wiped. Uh, I think the common thing, there is a common picture people share a lot where it's like price up, open interest up is like strong. And it's like, that can literally, to me is like completely irrelevant. Like to me, it's almost better if it's like open interest is down. Cause then it's like a short close that move is way better than a long open that move, just in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I don't think the common, like, things a lot of people share about on the, on this topic is correct. Makes sense. And then as far as liquidations, what is a liquidation and how do you implement that into your trading as well? 
Oh, yeah, actually, amazing question. So, liquidation is like something like uh, that that also moves the market significantly. And usually, you can like say we consult like in in January. We con been consolidating in January for like over two weeks at like just low forty k, right? And with that information, you can assume oh, like if we drop ten percent from there, every X ten long will be liquidated. So, you know, because we've been in a tight range, you can basically assume the average long price is the range, right? So, like, then you can just, like, move 10% away and be like, okay, this is, if you were sure, this is where you would, like, take profit. Because, they not only that is, like, liquidity for, like, bigger buyers to, like, buy into, it's also, like, liquidity for, like, other big shorters to, like, take profit into without slippage, right? So, 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 like, yeah, so that's that's how i see it and um usually it's always a pretty decent idea to like fade liquidations because especially like massive massive moves because they are usually just like market becoming very imbalanced if especially due to like a lot of liquidations it just means like one side of the contracts are being wiped out completely and then you would usually just have the other other side left so if say like, if massive short screen then you would kind of like the only positions left on, on in the futures would just be longs. So usually it is a decent profit, uh, decent idea to just like fade it. Usually, uh, like at least in the like short mid time frame. Yeah. Makes sense. And going back to open interest, um, can we talk about like the collateralization of the futures contracts in specific, just like looking at stable coin margin versus crypto margin contracts and kind of the risk profile of both of those. Um, and then, I guess I, I know I'm throwing a lot into this one question, um, but then as well, like, can we talk about the evolution of the collateralization of, of those contracts, especially over the last year? Or so as we've seen a smaller portion of the contracts margin with crypto versus stable coins. Sure. I can talk about um, the history too. So in, in the past, there's only two types. Actually in the past, sorry, there's only one type. It was just coin margin only, which means, people are using crypto to as collateral to trade crypto. And that was so popular in 2017 on like OKX. Um, but actually OKX was still small, but like mainly 2018 was where BitMEX and OKX took off, namely BitMEX. And people just deposited their Bitcoin and trade Bitcoin. And over time, um, that, that was very dominant until 2020, about March, where... BitMEX like just got absolutely destroyed on March 12th and people started realizing maybe like, and, and since people tend to like going long, right? Like people just realize like, wow, like using Bitcoin to buy Bitcoin is like a horrible idea. Cause like all the, like your margin, your collateral is like shrinking as price drops as your lungs like suffer like negative PNL as like, so it's like, like everything's going against you. It's just too much, right? So like people started moving toward like stable coins uh, based futures, which actually came out before 2020. I think it was like mid Q2, Q3, 2019, Binance started introducing their product, but it was very tiny up until March 12, where like traders seem to have like a group seemed to have like moved over from like BitMEX, Bybit, Etc. to Binance futures where they're like, oh, like COVID crash, it's so bearish. I, I can't have my collateral in Bitcoin. There's no way. I, I need to hold stable coins. <laughs> it was, there was like a strong narrative for that among traders I remember back then. And naturally, if you're holding stable coins, you're also like not as bullish because you're like, I don't even own Bitcoin. Why do I want it to go up? Right? Like, so there's in just inherently, inherently more like shorts. And that's been very healthy for the market since ever since March uh, of 2020. And although after like a year long, two year bull market, sorry, it, it seems like people have like kind of given up shorting as as hard as before. Um, but 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 even then, it's still pretty good because like on on stablecoin margin, you, your liquidation is always way lower than a coin margin long and then also a coin margin short can have no liquidation because like he might just be selling an x1 short that's kind of like just being hedged but like any short on 
stablecoin margin have a liquidation price and that's pretty powerful because like you know they're they, they they they're always watching out for for their shorts to close rather than their longs to close and like you can literally be x1 long and you you will never be liquidated to on like stable coins so that's that's just another thing i factor into when i look at the binance open interest i can just be like wait wait a second half like a third of this open interest can literally be like absolutely non-degenerate longs that are like x1 or even sub x1 long right so I tend to like take that into like consideration when I look at the open interest. Yeah. Makes sense. And so would you say like stable coin margin contracts, like as, as we kind of talked about crypto margin contracts are more likely to get squeezed, you know, from the long side, um, do, do stable coin margin contracts do, are they more likely to get squeezed from the short side because they don't have that kind of like inadvertent hedge, if you will, if, you know, obviously like if your margin with, Bitcoin and you're short, even if the trade is going against you, your collateral is increasing in value. So like with that being said, do you think that stablecoin margin shorts are more likely to be squeezed? Yeah, for sure. Exactly as you described. Like, yeah, I think it's like the more violent short squeezes has definitely been on stablecoin margin products. Yeah. Makes sense. I do want to kind of like pivot to like the evolution of market structure. So you kind of talked about this briefly with BitMEX, but let's talk about just the complete evolution of the different products that are offered in the Bitcoin market. And like, what does that look like from when you initially got into the market to where it is now? Right. So when I initially got in was like, I would say more like actual trading was like 19 instead of, cause I got in pretty late in 18 and Honestly, you, the only place you should be trading at back then was BitMEX because like that's where a lot of volume was being done, which means you can actually get your position filled very quickly, get in and out without much slippage um, or, or like usually way less slippage than other venues. And that was just like the absolute, like the biggest uh, exchange by far. And then we would have like Huobi and OKX that probably does half as much. But they were still pretty dominant, especially their quarterly futures. And uh, yeah, I just remember back, like Asians really loved trading these quarterly futures, right? And and other people, like everyone else on BitMEX loved the perpetual swaps. So yeah, I I, I remember back then constantly be monitoring, monitoring the quarterly basis on like from these Chinese traders. And because they, they tend to be really good indication of market sentiment too. Yeah, actually, like all, all these products are like BIMX would go negative uh, and like OKX, you'd see OKX like quarterlies shrinking significantly, like the, the basis and stuff. So makes sense. And you talked about quarterlies a little bit, which is actually really nice because that's my uh, next question I have written down. So what are quarterlies and how do you implement that into your analysis? Yeah, so th these two used to be way, be way bigger, like. Like just for a reference, like say today, um, BitMEX uh, is dying. It traded a billion, uh, but, the, but Binance traded like twenty billion, right? And, uh, but if Binance, uh, if, sorry, if Huobi's quarterlies were still alive today, I would think it would trade like two billion today. Yeah, usually it would be about like one tenth of like the perp swaps, which is pretty big. Given now, it's only doing like. Um, a hundred million, which is, yeah, we're very like the non-existent anymore. And so quarterlies are like every three months, they, they have like a future that actually expire. It's like, oh, if you had a long, then depending on the day it expires, if you were in profit or not, you just get your PL and it, it's as if your position is just everyone's position on that contract just closed. And then it just, the next like season starts and it's like, Oh, that's a new quarterly. So if you want to go trade quarterlies, just go to the new one now. And it's like just like the March, June, September, December's. And yeah, right now the ones are March and they're trading pretty low at like 5% uh, annualized yield. So um, yeah, usually these have gone negative in the bear markets. Back in 2019, I yeah, like I, I it was always a pretty good time to buy if it was if, if it goes negative for a while and it's also the the flow there is so like toxic like people in asia would just like suddenly be smashing tons of like long leverage into it and it would push it like way above every other like like bitmax also had a core lease and i i can literally like 
I, I sometimes don't even have to pull up their data. I can just look at, wow, OKX just like co quarterly jumped way ahead of BIMX quarterly today and ton of volume got traded. And I, I just assume it's like a long and it's like, it's usually always the case. It is a long if that product start trading like way higher than other ones, even though they literally expire at the same time. And yeah, I remember back then it was just like, the market was very inefficient and people would just be like opening and closing large, very large positions um, and just like moving that basis. And it's like, it's almost like a live indicator of like how, how degenerate how, like, or how bearish how, or how euphoric the market was, yeah. Makes sense. So like we talked about a couple of different pieces of derivatives data. How do you kind of like tie it all in together to determine whether the market is at an extreme in terms of greed or capitulation? Like how do you synthesize some of these different metrics that we talked about? Right. It's, I, I guess it's like a lot to take. Oh, wait. Okay. I almost closed the Zoom meeting. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I clicked the wrong, almost clicked the wrong thing. Um, I guess every everything you just kind of have to factor in. And I feel like over time, as you just stare at all these products and watch how the market moves and like you kind of just get a sense of how relatively everything affect each other. But like, it's also hard and it's very fun because it's also constantly changing. So it's like, so you kind of like, and sometimes the volume don't actually match exactly how strongly that one product impacts the market. So you also have to like recalibrate, oh, I can't just like volume weight, do it like a volume weighted impact of all these products uh, I just said, and like try to put the, just make a model out of that. Cause like, like, cause some products just naturally have like more mid time frame traders. Like I would say FTX is pretty, longer time frame, mid time frame traders and Binance just are filled with intraday, like our next hour, they close their positions, like, or next few minutes even. And like, and these traders also use way more leverage. So you kind of have to get an idea of how much impact on price each product has. And, and like back in 2019, I remember the most aggressive long liquidation, which is exactly September 24th, 2019. Uh, yeah, in 2019, the OKX quarterlies had a lot of longs, but the BIMX perp swap was less long than the OKX one. And that threw a few traders off because they were like, wow, BIMX funding just hit negative at 9K. Why did we just suddenly nuke to like 7,800? What, like, what, what is going on? And then, but then if you check the OKX quarterlies and the Huobi quarterlies, they were trading way higher than the BIMX quarterlies. And when prices started dropping, like the amount of like open interest that was still open on these like quarterly products back then just absolutely demolished like the market like it nuked so hard like i think okx went to like 7500 on the quarterlies and before which is like way below the spot i think coinbase was bottom ticked at 8000 that day and then but the more extreme part is like it traded at a premium above coinbase before the nuke so like the traders longed above the Coinbase, like longed above where everyone else is. And then they got liquidated where below where everyone else, else traded. So it was like the biggest swing ever. And it was like, like, so just like, but, but now the quarterlies are way smaller. So you don't have to be worried about, oh, making sure there's like, I mean, there's still traders there. You like, so it's nice to like factor in like how long or short it, if you want to like have a complete picture, but it's nowhere as dominant as before. Yeah. I remember back then you really had to like, like be monitoring them. What is some of the, like the derivatives data that you feel like people get most confused about? Like when you log on Twitter and you're like scrolling through your feed, like what really gets you like, Oh, like these people don't know what they're talking about. What is, you know, is it like funding <laughs> open interest or like, you know? Yeah. So like, sometimes I feel like people just automatically assume as price go down, OI go up. Like they're just like, oh, people are shorting and without even like trying to check anything. So, but, but like, I do respect it way more if they try to at least give a reason why they thought that was the case. Like, even if they're wrong, right? Like, and yeah, the, the, that, that's one thing that kind of get me going. I'm just like, like, like they kind of just have like not that much clue of what is going on. And, and also just like, 
just just because coin like stablecoin margin uh open interest rise that doesn't mean like shorts necessarily have to be squeezed like i remember back in late december people were talking about this massive increase of uh stablecoin open interest on binance but and they were like oh because of the convexity and like the nature of this thing it happened once before it's got to happen like the shorts have to be demolished but then i was when i look at the data i was like well like 30% of that actually rose while price was rising and like and actually that that open interest increase was a bit weird like it didn't significantly impact funding or price which was a bit weird but like even then you can just take a hint from like the uh, of what happens afterwards to like these people so say if these were traders Price did go up like a ten percent after like these open that open interest rose in like uh mid late December, but it did not decrease at all like after it pumped. So it's which 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 told me like these this this if that was a short they were price insensitive or like they were not afraid of price rise um breaking like some of the key levels like fifty two k back then I remember. And like while it moved to fifty two k like not like barely any shorts were closing which just made me feel like that wasn't like it, it didn't just didn't feel right if they were short yeah so when you're trying to gauge like the aggression of open interest if you will or like the risk profile of the open interest do you look at the kind of context of where it came in more so than like funding or some other metric kind of in that in that sense is it more just you know looking at kind of the context of okay a lot of this you know open interest came on this massive pump or a massive nuke like do you just look at it in like relativity to like price action or like kind of what i guess what do you gauge most to kind of come to a conclusion about the positioning of the open interest right so i like to like some people try to predict every move but like to me, uh, I think it's like it's very worthwhile just like waiting for something to happen and see the reaction of the derivatives from that move. So, just for example, like in in July uh, of last year, like on the twentieth, we went down. Like market grinded down every day, like thirty k, thirty four k, thirty three, thirty one. Like and then it was like like at twenty eight. And then like we suddenly back to 30, bounced back to 32. And that that was like a massive open interest dec- decrease. So, and before that was all increasing. So I was pretty confident that like um, this inverse correlation did like hint that market was actually being shorted and funding was, was also suggesting the same, like as it grinded down, there was going be- further negative. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that's a, that was like, like a great like insight into like just what people were doing. Right. And, and open interest has been like inversely correlated for a while. So that was just like further like validation that people were just so bearish. They wanted to short like, yeah, just like signatures like that. And if it's like open interest is like going up every day, prices going up, narratives running high, like during the ETF. Um, yeah, I remember open interest rising slowly, but pretty steadily every day. And But funding was pretty, um, I, would, I wouldn't say it's the most extreme we've seen since may was just absolutely like may was just animal like or like march to may was just yeah absolutely insane like i remember the quarterlies being at like 50 percent yield and bro like like that that is something you can lock a billion dollar position on you can be like yeah like it, it, it was just ridiculous like like how much yield you could get and liquidity on, on like which, which just means how many people were putting so much leverage and money at such high premium like they were so bullish that they were deciding to pay 50 percent a year on their position locked in like that was just so ridiculous but uh in november it was only like 20 percent. but historically that's still like a relatively high figure so usually if quarries are at 20 percent open and just grinding up people are talking about narratives and like how it's going to infinity is it's usually a good time to like at least take some some profits yeah i would say makes sense um what is some of the data that like most people don't consider that you look at to to be really important um like i i, I watch your streams actually and you, you you know tend to pull up some like interesting charts where i'll be like huh i've never seen that before so like what is some of that data that many people i guess just like don't look at in general um 
Oh yeah, I have, a, I have a brain freeze. Like, what, what did you see on my stream? <laughs> I don't honestly. I don't remember specifically. I just remember like you like pulling up some like cool different like charts that I was like, huh. I don't remember specifically what it was. But yeah. Um. I I do think it's important for people to realize which exact futures contracts are moving the price because like definitely the what leads this market is futures like majority of the time and stuff you should be like if you want to like have a full understanding and like prop like be trading and then you should know which contracts like actually move the like the price so like i i i put a lot of weight on binance futures and the binance coin margin features like actually binance is so dominating lately they have like two products that, that does over like 10 billion a day on like literally the same coin like on on, on bitcoins like there's a btc usdt perp and the usd perp which is like the stable coin margin and coin margin respectively and they're both so big and then you would have like the ftx product so i true i check these three products open interest like separately because like like I, I all they were they're all they they are all different right so the ftx one is like okay they people have mixed collateral they can literally have eth and long bitcoin for that like that's pretty like dangerous right but but then if you go to like binance features it's pretty safe because like people are you just trading the stable coins it's not as degenerate and then if you look at the binance coin margin like they seem to not be super degenerate on the long side either because like maybe trader many more traders are aware they're like holding bitcoin and they shouldn't like over leverage longing more bitcoin because uh they haven't been like getting demolished as in as like in of the, of the same magnitude as the past of what like usually what happens on like a 20 percent drawdown of like two coin margin features usually these products just get destroyed like the open interest would be like wiped in half or something but lately it's been less um Less degenerate, it seems. Yeah. Interesting. Do you look at order books at all or order flow? Uh, and then if you do look at either of those two, how do you implement that and tie it into looking at derivatives data? Yeah, I always look at order flow. So like, but more so just like, um, throughout the day, like what what's going on? Like, um, what like are shorts building up here that have not like not closed or longs like smashing in or is the market kind of just neutral like then i just have no bias i just assume i have no edge um yeah just stuff like that and sometimes like the market could be biased but then like the price have is about to break in a round round number and then like uh, then uh, yeah it's just it just depends a lot really like usually around num round numbers like even if like market's long like you'd also have like some leftover shorts that's ready to like fold on like big round number moves interesting and so like kind of off the, like on that note how do you look at price action as well i know you're not like super big on ta i think in one of your streams you said like ta is basically a like a, a meme do you draw any lines or is it just looking at you know whether it's like you talk about like round numbers is it you know how do you how do you kind of like gauge price levels and price action in general sure i actually do i don't necessarily draw lines but i know given that so many traders do, I kind of just like subconsciously ha like have an idea. So uh, of like where these lines are, right? Like, but like to me, horizontal is just like the most, most important thing in this market because horizontal is just basically the price, right? And as price go up and down, it affects, affects every single tra uh, trader's P&L on futures. And that's very important because like traders are very sensitive. Like they're always seeing like their how much money they're winning or losing, right? So like, so it just naturally the most powerful thing. And like horizontal levels are also where people get liquidated, where people stop loss are, where people entries are. So like, uh, I I do look at where like these levels are because like, like I might draw a line. Like say today we topped that like thirty eight eight. Cool next time we take that high we're probably also smashing 39 at the same time just from like shorts closing there's just like a like i'm not saying like 100 percent does but i'm just saying it's like a very high probability just because like the way the market is right now like say for at the moment like it's mildly shorted i wouldn't say it's net shorted but like 
yeah so so like that that would be my view if i have to give one for what i see right now right and um and, and another thing i i tend to give horizontal levels a a heads up to is like just having an idea where people get liquidated so like i was talking about how like before this moved down like the early to mid january for like two weeks we were sideways at like 42k cool 10 percent away that's 37 38k so i know there's going to be like a lot of volume there that's going to take place a lot of traders being liquidated so naturally i just like be okay be like okay 38 is where people get wrecked and if the if price move there I'll, I'll 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 need to like start focusing on see seeing how much money is buying up these liquidations and watching like if there's big spot buyers stepping in or or if or or is like to, there is there still too much leverage that needs to be rinsed out that like we just nuke through it because there's too much liquidations or what happens right so i do have in mind some levels but honestly like ta is not really yeah, I, I just never did it really. And I didn't I didn't have to use any of like the RSI and MACD to make any money. So like I, I'm profitable just using my own system. So I just never really looked into it. Makes sense. And this this might be uh very nuanced or kind of like dynamic in your answer, but what is like your mental weight for determining your market outlook when we look at like okay what's the percentage weighted to derivatives or to price action? Or like, I know you don't look at on-chain, but like for me, you know, that's that's weighted a certain percentage in there as well. So like, is there kind of a certain makeup in your mind of saying, okay, like, you know, this is the most important thing. You know, this is, you know, I weigh a quarter of my outlook. Like, I don't know, kind of like, how do you like structure that between all the different things that we talked about? Oh, that's a um, like it's derivative. I'm assuming derivatives is most important. Like, you know, is that at the forefront of your mind? And then, like, price action is the second most important order. Like, you know, I guess it's just a very dynamic thing. Yeah. Yeah. I try to think of um, all uh, four things. I think, Um, um, like, what existing positions have to close? Um, Why someone sidelined? might have to buy or sell um they, they could be like wanting to sell for a while or wanting to buy for a while like why why would they do it now and where where price would cascade and just in general the chat chart pattern because like I, I know i'm i know i'm i know i'm like pattern sounds like ta but like i'm more more so talking about say just like where people get liquidated to be honest and um like I, I tend to give all of them weight because like they all impact the market quite significantly. So back in when, when narratives were still hot, like pretty hot, like as price were moving up back in like January, I remember Tesla bought Bitcoin. Right. And it's like, that was like the biggest thing for a while. And then I had like in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I can't just be like randomly shorting. Even if I wanted, like, I think this is like a bubble just because, what if like another company buys right so like like that so like that's one factor but then i also see like there's so much open interest just keep longing so that's like guaranteed sell pressure in the future but like can they can they be paid out like by a massive spot buyer like another company yeah they could but like i don't know i didn't know how to weight the percentage of these chances because like they were unprecedented unprecedented right and to me, I don't, I didn't have, uh, I'm pretty like, like laid back as a trader. I'm like, okay, if, if I don't, if I don't, not a certain, I don't have to make money on, on this trade. Like, uh, so I just, in, I remember back in like after Tesla bought, I very rarely took a position for a very long time up until after we nuked in May, which kind of just told me, okay, actually that was just leverage and not another big company buying and yeah just like stuff like that um and and like just knowing where like people get liquidated is pretty important too because like that's where that's how price tend to move the most right and like if you want to capture the most percentage like that's definitely have to be like uh thinking about that and you talk about order books like i i think order books are relatively alpha still but like especially in a long-term picture so 
back in January of 21, you, or, or like February after Tesla bought, you can see the amount of bids on derivatives and SPA was just very thick. It was just like SPA wanted to buy lower, derivative wanted to buy lower. There's bids chasing the price all the time. But over time, it slowly, slowly started thinning out. Like it got thinner in maybe May, like late April after the Coinbase um, I, IPO. Like I said, I've, I've never traded any stocks. So I don't even know if, if these terms are correct. Like, the, like the, the, they went public. I don't even know what that means, honestly. But yeah, something happened. People were bullish, but their bids got filled and price didn't really react that much. And so bids started thinning out over time. And then we had to test like Elon saying, oh, Bitcoin does pollute the, <laughs> pollute the earth or something. And then we moved down a lot after bits and out. So it's like, you can kind of gauge how much people want along based off like some of these data, like, oh, is open interest still rising or is it like flatlining? If it's flatlining, it's probably like, we're running out of like apes to keep like leverage longing or like we're la- running out of like apes to bid if there was like a liquidation. And if there's no one to bid a liquidation, the price just kind of get hurt very badly. So just like, like like or, like data like order books is more so like how much sideline uh, longs want to keep like buying the dip I, I would say which is quite good data yeah that's really insightful uh and then what are some like the the platforms that you look at to you know gauge all these different things that we talked about what are some of your favorite you know platforms in general i know like skew is one of them uh what do you look at for order books order flow um, what do you like to just look at for general open interest, all these kinds of things? Yeah, maybe like about just like trading view. Everyone uses that. Coinalize is pretty good for open interest. Like you, you just type in any product, find it, and then like pull up the open interest from the indicator and it's right there. Screw is pretty good. It shows like there's so much data, like like what the quarterlies are right now, what the quarterlies basis have been in the past what the perpetual fundings are right now across like 10 products and what they were historically like these charts are really nice to look at and for order books which i don't look at as often but i do check it probably like every other day is like trading light and these are like pretty much all the biggest ones i think none of them are like anything too exotic yeah sweet and then uh a couple couple more fun questions first of all um, what, what is the cat thing all about? Um, you know, where did that kind of originate from and like, what does it mean? Well, what do you mean by, by what it means? Like what does CL means or like, what does, what was the cat mean? Yeah. What does the cat mean? Oh, the, actually it's a hard question. It's like, sometimes you just see something and you're like, yeah, that, that resonates with me. Hell yeah. It's high, it's like how you choose, choose your username online right like why are you uh like why am i why did i choose cl why did uh sisyphus choose sisyphus why do you choose will like 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 maybe is that is that your name or yeah that's my real name okay yeah okay so that that's just your name but like a lot of like like when you play a video game is it still will or is it something else yeah i'm pretty boring but (laughs) i I know what you mean though like you just intuitively are like oh i I like i mean it's just my i resonate with that yeah yeah so something like that and but like actually i i didn't find this picture uh uh, it's it's either light crypto light light crypto or or trajan which is split capital on twitter i i think they were sharing like sending me cat pictures or something and i was like yeah this hell yeah this resonate resonated with me i just became a cab this is like 2019 i think yeah and ever ever since like uh I was like, dude, it would just be hilarious if I like just got big artists to draw me. And that's since then, I'm just like, oh, if I had a winning day, dude, our artists are so cheap because like they don't make much money. So like you can just like pay them to like draw you for like pretty low sums. Like some of them just like a couple hundred. And it's like, honestly, they put so many hours into it. And it's like, yeah, relatively cheap in my opinion. So I've like bought tons of like my cat art. And then like people thought it was hilarious. And now I'm like kind of just now known as like, this this persona yeah yeah cool and then uh what are socks i always see you talking about socks on twitter what's that all about oh my god so uh, <laughs> so it's it, the fold name is unisocks right and it's just like it's literally just a pair of socks 
and it's trading at like as, as i talk about over 90 grand per pair of socks which is like absolutely like if i have to be i'll be honest it's pretty dumb right like straight up like but the thing is like it's kind of like punks and all the other nfts which is like except like a punk is like people set it as their profile picture and i feel like socks people are more so just saying they own one just like kind of like instead of the face it's kind of like the watch or or, or the, the handbag or something and i guess like since it's like one of the first like thing people collected that came out of DeFi in general um that is why like probably why so many people hold on to it they're like wow this is like uniswap was like the first thing in DeFi. one of the first thing that like really blew up and then socks was like their first for the first merchandise kind of like anyone really ever put on chain right it, it came out i think in 2019 and um i'm pretty sure it's the first like digital physical thing that that was that came out and now nike is doing these like clothing that's like has an nft that comes with it so it's like it is like i guess you can say it's like a old og thing kind of but like uh, this is like, i'm not saying like you should really buy one because like yeah they're pretty ex- fucking expensive so but yeah it's just like one of these many like historical like I- items from crypto that exist today that is somewhat valued at something so it's like all- also there's like moon cats like thousands of dollars for a cat picture it seems ridiculous i mean this is more ridiculous but yeah like punks are pretty ridiculous like and now the board apes are going viral so yeah so it's kind like, of serious I, kind of that yeah kind of serious kind of not. but but there's it's like all these like people also like make a group chat out of these things like oh there's like a gigantic moon cat discord right it's like and there's like a bunch of friends here and like there's a sock like telegram chat a lot of like DeFi OGs like Leshner, Hayden, like Mike that made Rainbow Wallet, like uh, uh, Kane, which is since founder of Synthetics, are like just chatting there. And then you also have like these punk chat groups, which is like way bigger. Yeah, just like it's kind of like a community slash collectible, which is kind of unique because like I don't think Rolex watch collectors just all come together and make like a Discord server and like <laughs> type GM or like the Hermes bag owners don't just come together like type GM and like a <laughs> yeah so it is a very like our generation kind of thing I would say but like I wouldn't say just because like it's cool like you have to buy it like it's not nah, like like if you yeah if you have like way too much money you're so bored okay fine it's like we, we, like okay I'm not saying I have that much money like I bought it when it was cheaper right like it's hard for me to like throw like six figures on the punk or the like yeah because they're i mean like especially after this year to be honest because like this year i actually went outside of my room and the real world is very cheap compared to crypto so i'm just like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) this is ridiculous so yeah um that's hilarious Hey, CL, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And I really appreciate the conversation. I know I learned a lot. I'm going to have to listen back to this and I'm sure the listeners feel the same way. Uh, Before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to kind of get off your chest uh, or just anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up here? Oh, I would just say like, if you're like a, like general, like if I have to like give some sort of like trading advice, it would be like, depending on like how much money you have currently, say you have a grand, right? Five grand, a grand of five, three grand. You, 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 I think you're more allowed to be degenerate because then it's like, okay, at worst case, you go work at like fast food, come back three months later, there's your whole portfolio or you, you made even more just from working. And it's like, when I, I think like if you're young, like definitely taking risks is okay but like if you're like older it's probably better if like you're not really using leverage and yeah that's just my general advice for like risk and like it, it is pretty disheartening if you like lose like a trading account and I've, I've lost probably like four in 2019 and i would just say if you truly believed you have an edge and you can just like try to execute better but like Overall, like it, it, it is also like a very mentally expensive 
career uh, in my opinion so you so one thing i actually do uh, uh, like as a trader is when i wake up or actually just every moment really when i'm like thinking about if i should take a trade is i analyze my mental state am i tired am i exhausted am i tilted am i angry like am i going to revenge trade if i lose this trade like or am i like just pretty content and like i think i'm making a wise decision or just like a like making a decision that's like at least reasonable given uh given the data i see and like like just like like do you think you're like a um like if you don't feel good right like or like sometimes people don't even realize they, they're not feeling well so it's like even important to realize if you can see through the clouds and realize if you're actually feeling kind of like you're kind of brain fogged or like stuff like that because like that uh, like your mood definitely will impact your decisions and your your p l yeah and that's about it awesome and uh i just want to give you a little uh plug in here to just give everyone your twitter and a handoff to maybe like the e-girl capital website or anything else you want to plug in before we before we wrap up oh sure my my, my twitter is like just cl and um e-girl capital is just like a group of friends uh we fund some projects but we also like use a lot of the profits and just like kind of just like buy our commission artists uh sponsor streamers and we don't really ask any one of them to like oh like because we sponsored you like go on your stream and your videos and like tell them about this investment or that investment we made because like that feels a bit too like show heavy so like we kind of just sponsor them and like it's like there's nothing there really not even like a link so we kind of just like um if our investment do well we just like commission more art and that that's kind of what we do and we're probably getting into like more fashion stuff in the future yeah and that's about it cool well thank you so much cl and uh, everybody be sure to check out cl's twitter as well as uh, the e-girl capital website really appreciate you coming on and taking the time man yeah yeah oh yeah oh one more thing yeah sure the the bloomberg article is coming soon the the e-girl bloomberg which is gonna be hilarious because like i don't think they've ever like talk to like a group of like anonymous people yeah all right yeah That'll and then safe. that's it <laughs> okay that's it <laughs> all right, cool take it easy man all right, all right see you